we can take either uh, our strategic partners that are more on the creative side or even our clients and their resources and bake in data and strategy into those existing creative processes. That's, and that's what we find works well. And uh, those relationships uh, when merged tend to be the ones that perform the best. This is Digital Marketing. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you updated on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you'd be focused on to the kinds of tactics and tools they're working today. Today, our guest is Adam Kronster, the uh, founder of Endleaf, uh, and we were actually just chatting about one of his uh, most successful stories, which was taking a business from $1,000 a month to $1 million a month uh, over the course of a couple of years. And I'm guessing that was, was a primarily organic SEO yeah, it was. We we uh, did a lot of content, uh, some healthy link acquisition, and uh, implemented a full new website and uh, really kind of took off. So it was fantastic to see that level of growth. Of course, nothing happens in a vacuum. We had a good, good team. Uh, everyone was in sync. And you know, that's, you know, like they say, teamwork makes the dream work. And so that was, that was a great success story. So that's awesome. Well, teamwork and consistency, because I think, you know, for me, (laughs) talking about content, I I used to try to sell people on organic content, like, okay, you're going to (laughs) work really hard for the next one to three years, right? Then you might make some money. (laughs) Yep. No, SEO is definitely a hard sale sometimes when, when you present it that way, but it really can, uh, you know, lower your, your cost barrier, uh, if done right. And it can, you can set you up for life. Right. So, oh yeah. Easy. Well, and I think it's more important, you know, than ever. I, I hate using that cliche more important than ever, uh, <laughs> with, uh, kind of the shifting things. And, and one of the things I talk a lot about is that if, uh, we're able to make paid media, you know, much more effective, like, let's say that's just easier set up. It's more effective. It's generative. So you don't have to do a bunch of tweaking all the time. So now all of a sudden anybody could get into paid media and start making money. The cost exactly. of that paid media is going to get super yep. expensive. Yeah. But, I, I literally just, yeah, it's funny you say that. I literally just got off a, a, a client call and they want to, you know, ramp up their paid media and they're not doing any SEO. And I've been knocking on that door for years now. I'm like, you guys are in the perfect opportunity because the only area where they're competing, they're kind of in a niche market is in the paid space. I'm like, you know, it's doing well, it's working for you. Obviously you want to expand your budget, but you know, consider SEO because it's an area where you can reduce your cost and none of your competitors are doing it. They're all just throwing money at the problem, which is, you know, it's necessary at times, but it's not the only factor, right? Mm. Well, I think long-term it's going to be completely essential. Like it'll be almost impossible. I I would not be surprised if we see a time in the near future when break even on your initial paid ad campaign is a fantastic result. Yeah. And yeah. And really, we've been getting to this point for a while because it used to be like a hundred bucks was five thousand dollars, and then a hundred bucks was a thousand dollars, and a hundred bucks is two hundred dollars, and you're right. like, okay, you know. But you know, just so people understand, because SEO and content are you know two sides of the same coin, pretty much. Like you have to optimize the content for finding, have to make the content because people like to, to have interesting things to look at. Now, with that said. 
my question is always to SEO professionals is what's going to stop Google from saying, you know what, instead of sending anybody else traffic, uh, we have all our user information. We know the emails they send. We know the traffic, where they go to on the on the web. We know what's in their drive. We know all this information. We could make tons of good generative content. Um, why sh- wouldn't they just start creating all the content for their users versus sending it to other people, you know, like they do right now? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's, it's a good question. Like I I've seen in the past where Google has tried to kind of, um, snag other people's content. I don't know how many people uh, remember AMP, the accelerated mobile pages, but you know, this is one of Google's, I guess, failed attempts to keep people from landing on a website, basically fetching that, that information and presenting it in search. Right. And so I do think at some time, at some points, you know, Google has kind of a, a double-sided interest to keep people in the search results and not necessarily on the landing page. But on the flip side, you see, you know, how they typically double down on what they call, you know, helpful content or quality content. And so there's still this idea that I think they still have to acknowledge that there are creative ideas that don't happen in a vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. That there has to be um, content that people want to, um, you know, engage with that is not going to just come out of nowhere, right? It has to come out of some form of creativity, you know, and you see that in other realms outside of just search, you know, you look at social media and, you know, all of those things, the, the creativeness that still is hard to be replicated purely by an algorithm or a machine. Now, of course, algorithms will leverage those things. And so that's kind of where I see that medium uh, between, um, you know, just just a full supplication and, uh, you know, pr- production of, of, of uh, uh, non-human based data versus what's what's fed in, in other systems. So. Mm. Well, I think the focus on creativity always, always, you know, I always pivot to, you know, if your brand doesn't have creative content, like if it's just whatever content, that's not going to be good enough anymore. It has to be stylized, has to be in a voice, has to target an individual user, which is difficult because, you know, for a lot of business owners, like they hate making content that's too specific because it's like, well, what about this other group? Um, Do you have something that you tell them to you know, convince them like, no, we have to make targeted content because otherwise it's, you know, not useless, but it's uh, less useful in terms of what you're trying to achieve, which is more customers. Yeah. Um, I think with a lot of our customers, the conversation is about taking what they already have from a brand emphasis and actually um, better orienting it for like search, right? So, Luckily, we have a lot of clients that are pretty good on the creative side, but it's the analytical side where, you know, we have to kind of step in and say, okay, let's take your creative juices, right? You know, the, your ability to talk about the brand or the product, and now let's get a little bit more analytical with it. And let's say, okay, let's start asking good questions like, what is it that your customer audience is actually looking for? And now how do we bake that into, you know, your, all, your already existing creative processes? Um, so I would say more so like, and that's, that's like in our DNA where I don't necessarily consider Enleaf a, um, overly creative agency, right? Mm. Um, what we're good at is data, right? We can take, you know, either, uh, our strategic partners, um, that are more on the creative side or even our clients and their resources and bake in data and strategy into 
those existing creative processes. That's, and that's what we find works well. And uh, those relationships, uh, when merged, tend to be the ones that perform the best. So that makes sense. Well, and I, I love knowing that the content that I'm making actually has, you know, some research beyond it. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I hope I don't spend my time making a whole bunch of new data that nobody actually right. likes. Or we'll do yeah, the best with. content in the world is useless if if no one actually sees it, right? So, you know, it's it's really twofold. One, you have to get people to the content, and then once you get them to the content, then you have to figure out how to engage, keep their engagement, uh, convert them into an action, uh, and so, uh, you know, that those are the two sides of that coin. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and for that, on that side, you know, I always tell people that if you could categorize your content correctly, then when people find one piece of content, they'll be happy because they find more content that kind of fits it. And I think yeah. it used to be more present online because I, I remember, you know, five, 10 years ago getting stuck in one of those, you know, rabbit holes of like, you click on one article and then you scroll down the bottom and there was always, and I think it was through, it's not Braintree, um, but there was a, a company that actually would embed uh, other articles from other websites. And that was kind of their entire model was based off of these links content to, you know, referred articles. Yeah. Um, I don't see it as much anymore. Like I, I rarely go down a rabbit hole of like yeah. an article and an article and an article. Um, is there a reason for that for SEO wise? Like, do people just not do that anymore? Quite honestly, I'm hearing a lot more. I think the term that comes up relative to what you're talking about now is like topical authority. Mm. And and although to your point, I don't see enough people doing that, right? Um, what we've seen uh, lately, and I think it's worked. A, I think it's worked a lot. I think it's only lately that it's been kind of uh, people have clinging on to this idea of what's called topical authority, right? Mm. Um, the idea. Um, that if you become the topic authority for a particular subject, uh, Google and other search engines are going to recognize that and you're going to typically dominate. And that's that's one of those tactics. I mean, um, even just this last week, I was kind of in a back and forth on, you know, you know, ranking without links, right? Or can you do it purely with content? And kind of our take is, yes, you can. And we are still proponents of link acquisition and link building, but you can utilize, um, you know, topical authority, be basically a, a number of associated uh, topics and articles that reference and link to one another to, to rank and dominate and search. And so um, while to your point, I don't see enough people doing that. It certainly is a tactic that could and should uh, be, you know, utilized. In fact, we we actually just got done internally building um, what we call our topical authority um, AI tool. So mm. it, it basically it's um, it's it's kind of like our own take on uh, answer to the public, right? If anyone has ever used that tool, uh, we have a, a spreadsheet that utilizes. Um, uh, interrogative terms, and then from that pulls a list of keywords, mm -hmm. and then uh, kind of organizes a hierarchy, uh, so that we can, you know, within a matter of minutes, create keyword research that's already kind of positioned around that topical authority roadmap. So that's something we're personally excited about. That's definitely relevant to this, you know, this uh, thread of conversation. So that is so funny. That it led in so well because I didn't know you were doing that. And I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. 
You want to prioritize your work that will really move the needle for your business's growth, but you're not sure how to do that while keeping up with all the repetitive day-to-day tasks. Keep Sales and Marketing Automation software is designed to help small business teams take their time back from busy work. It helps you organize your customer and lead information in one place, automate follow-ups and appointments, get paid faster, and stay on top of opportunities in your sales pipeline, all while freeing your team up to focus on the work that will have the biggest impact. Here at Digital Marketer, we've trusted Keep to help us get real results from our campaigns for 10 years. Visit keep.com DM to learn more and get Keep's lifestyle automation guide, which walks you through their proven framework for growth and helps you identify gaps in your customer lifecycle. That's keep, K-E-A-P dot com slash DM. Like that's exactly, well, because I always try to, to explain people, you know, logically and kind of going mm-hmm. through the thought process of like, here's why you have to connect concepts and yeah. why you should and by all these different reasons. But yeah, if you have a tool for it, that sounds amazing. Is that uh, out now or? Not yet. I, I'm. I'm probably going to be sharing this. Um, I'm, I'm giving a talk in August in Estonia. So I think that's the first time I'm going to kind of reveal it to the public. Um, still uh, still pulling in some search volume APIs. That's the last part of the puzzle. Um, and then we'll see where it goes from there. So oh, that's fantastic. Well, and it's exactly what I think is is 100% necessary for everybody's content strategy. Because I think yeah. the my problem with SEO to date and, and one of the reasons why we're rebuilding our SEO certification is because of this focus on individual keywords is a first step, which always yeah. bothered me. Yeah. Because it's who cares about yeah. one keyword? <laughs> we really try to break our clients out of that idea. Sometimes we have clients that know enough to be dangerous and it's oh. and we have to break them of what we're kind of older models, right? It's like, you know, oh, I want to rank for these five keywords. And it's like, well, that's not really how search works anymore, right? We, we, now we do pay attention to keywords, right? And we do kind of anchor a, a, a piece of content to a keyword, but we like to caveat that, hey, this, this page is going to rank for one or many terms. You know, what we really care about is um, the, the number of terms that a page is ranking for and the the visibility and traffic that is garnered there you know but it's really a lot more about semantics right um mm-hmm. so you have your your keyword that's still kind of your pillar but then there's all the semantic semantically related terms so yeah i'm with you like that the idea of just focusing on one particular keyword i want to be number one for you know fill in the blank like it's not not really where search is at anymore right no, well, and really, who cares about game one hit too? Because yeah. you know, I know for me, when I do research on Google and I, I pull up articles, I don't go into the article and like, you know what, that was a really good piece. I think I'll subscribe mm-hmm. to their newsletter. You know, right. it usually takes me landing on that same brand for multiple topics multiple mm-hmm. times, and then I'm like, okay, these guys seem to pop up every single time I look up this topic. They're right. all always top ranked. They always have good information. Now I'm going to go check out their LinkedIn feed or their Facebook yeah. feed or, or their newsletter, but it, it's, exactly. it's definitely not one article, you yeah. know, <laughs> it's, right. yep. this doesn't do it now. So yeah. in terms of volume, then let's talk about that real quick. Um, what's good volume today uh, for SEO or something that, that somebody who's like, I want to be a topical authority uh, should aim for in terms of releasing pieces. You mean like volume per keyword? Volume per uh, volume, page, like just what, in 
general. Like I, general. I'm, I'm saying I want content to be a focus for my business. Right. I want to be, you know, I want to show up as often as possible. Like, cause yeah. I remember with, when I used to do SEO back 10 years ago, I used to be mm-hmm. like, well, to get on Google news, I need to come out with five, you know, pieces of content per day and have yeah. them optimized. So now I'm considering a news source. Is there still that right. kind of parameter or what do you recommend? Um, as far as like volume of content created, it, you know, it's going to kind of depend on the client, whether you're talking about a local client or national client. And then also the one thing that I, I, cause I, I have a lot of clients, um, sometimes some of them, you know, a lot, a lot of them, we supplement content and then others that they're, you know, we're building the strategy and then either, you know, others also that are just more on a consulting side. And so one of the questions that comes up a lot is like, to your point, like how many pieces of content should I be creating? And I think in some respects, sometimes that can be the wrong question. And I like Brian Dean as example. Um, uh, so he built his entire like website off of, I think, I don't think he wrote more than one blog post per month, um, but they were the most in-depth pieces of content on that subject matter, right? And so I tell my clients like, hey, I would rather you write one piece of content that is the most in-depth, most thorough piece of content um, than, you know, a blog post every week, right? Um, But also, you know, I also have to caveat that with, again, breaking kind of old um, ideas. It's not just about word count, right? It's really about semantics. I mean, if you have the right semantics in play, um, you know, synonyms and all of that stuff, um, you can you can write less and perform better because Google doesn't care about word count. They care about, you know, the, the connections between the terms that are in a piece of content. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard to say. You can go broad and create those exhaustive pieces of content, or you can do the more topical authority where Google, again, sees those correlations between separated pieces of content. Both of those strategies work. Um, whenever we're trying to determine for a client uh, how many pieces of content they should create, normally we're going to do that through kind of a gap analysis or competitive analysis to figure out, hey, if you say that you want to rank for this term or these terms, we need to understand uh, you know, what the competition has uh, versus you, right? What, how many pages are indexed in Google? Um, how many links uh, do they have you know, uh, in incoming in their site. Um, so that's how we determine it. It's really a case by case basis. So. Mm. No, and that makes a lot of sense too, because I think if you, you know, if you think in terms of your private community versus the entire world through search mm-hmm. engines, uh, yeah. then it starts to get more uh, clear what you should right. do. Because yeah. maybe, you know, if you're in some technical industry, say uh, research, sci- you know, science research, mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, if you can't just put out an article, right. <laughs> it doesn't work yeah. like that. People would yeah. tear you apart and ruin your career if you mm-hmm. half-ass something. So right. I, I do think that's that's very true. But on the flip side, I do think some some industries aren't that scientific or specific yeah. or technical, and there's no reason why they wouldn't expect you to come out with a TikTok a day sure. <laughs> if that's right. Yeah. If that's what you're capable of doing. Or maybe they just expect it like, hey, you know, I, I can't have one piece of content. I need an entire season because I have mm. a Saturday afternoon off and yeah. 
I need eight hours. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. I see I, we, we have a term, a term internally uh, or a phrase. It's like we, we call it uh, content for content's sake. Right. Mm. We see a lot yeah. of clients come to us and they're in that trap. Like, like, well, we write a, you know, we write a blog post a week. I'm like, yeah, but do you have any data? Do you know what traffic it's getting? No, we just, we heard, we read on a blog, we should be writing a we blog post every week or every month. And, and so again, it's like, okay, get, get out of the idea of writing content for content's sake under, you know, understand what is the objective of that content, you know, so that you can, you know, make good use of the time that you invest in creating that. Right. So. Uh, well, that's true too. And I think for, well, even for, you know, content for, for purpose, uh, mm -hmm. it could be for your existing customers. And it's just a question exactly. that you get yeah. super often. So you having an article or a video about it makes a lot of sense, but yeah. I, I, this has been great. You know, and I think your, you know, your kind of approach to, to SEO and content seems very in line with what we teach here at digital marketers. So we'll have to have you back great. soon to talk about some more advanced concepts and that, that tool that you're coming out with sounds fantastical. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's fantastical. Uh, it sounds fantastic. I think it's, it's what everybody needs. So yeah. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're people... really excited about it. So uh, where can people follow you for updates or is there an update page for that? Um, no updates yet. This is something that we'll be rolling out. But uh, if you want to follow us, um, our website is nleaf.com. That's E-N-L-E-A-F.com. That's where you can find our blog. Um, we have a number of uh, free tools that are there. Um, so there are some tools there. And as we, will, uh, as we release tools, that's where we'll be uh, putting those as well in the tool section of the website. So. No, oh, fantastic. I think that's uh, that sounds amazing. And we'll definitely have you on again soon. Uh, talk good. about some new SEO stuff as as things develop. I'm super interested in this. And like I said, we're working on our uh, SEO uh, cert renewal uh, in the near future. So everybody stay tuned for that as well. All right. Thank you so much, Adam. And my thank pleasure. You. Yeah. <laughs> I think is well, and like I said, we'll we'll have you back on because there's yeah, there's so many great. questions I have about SEO. So I think we'll we'll probably turn this into a series, and we'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, thank you so much for listening. Yep. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who's clueless about digital marketing, and don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketer. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. 
there are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.